Hello, and welcome to Late to the Party, episode 13. This is the Geeks Unleashed monthly book club, which in addition to our regular episodes, we kind of try to cover off some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Um, For our 13th and final episode of 2021, we are talking about Scott Pilgrim Volume 2, which is kind of fun because we're revisiting a series that we talked about in 2020. So this is Volume 2, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, anyway, as usual, I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And we are joined once again by Rock and Robbie from the Pop Culture Philosophers. Welcome, Robbie. Hey, what's up? Happy to be here. Station. <laughs> Station. Come on, Jasmine. Station. Which, which, which way does it go? Which hand? Either or. Doesn't oh, okay. Matter. Okay, cool. All right. There we go. Yeah. The station <laughs> swings both ways. Oh, uh, I, I see. Can you use both hands? Oh, you have to have a third one then. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. Use your, use your foot or something like that. Uh, my flexibility faded away a long time ago. So uh, when I was a kid, I used to be able to put my toe in my mouth. There's no way I could do that now. Oh boy, that's a cool that's... talent to have. No, <laughs> maybe one, maybe one day I'll try that. So actually, do you know what? I reckon I could, but it really hurt. No, like that, that far up now. So no thanks. Um, <laughs> anyway, Rob, Robbie joins us on the book club after, was it, you were on episode three, which was our, you know, we were kind of getting into the swing of things. And we felt last year it was quite a nice way to end the year. And when me and Jasmine were planning out the last few episodes, we're like, actually, it's been a long year. It'd be yes. nice to end on a, it'd be nice to end on something easy. On a so, light note. Yeah. yeah nothing nothing note, heavy. So, nothing heavy. So it's been a heavy year, I think, with various things. So, oh, yeah. We, we thought, why not? So. So yeah, again, cheers for just come back. And uh, um, I, I appreciate it. I'm I'm happy to be back and, and I'm glad to continue revisiting Scott Pilgrim with you. We should make this an annual tradition. I'd be down for that. It's a Christmas know, that's, thing for us. I said to, I said that's Jasmine. We'll just, you know, in four, we've got four more years now and we're finally, <laughs> finally <getting back. laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and we'll see you back here in four years for volume six. <laughs> nice. uh, the, book, the, the books get thicker and thicker as you're going along. So it didn't is, feel uh, it didn't feel it doesn't feel lengthy to read it it is such an easy read thankfully yeah i i feel it went quicker than volume one yeah probably just because we're familiar with the characters this time yeah. so it was really easy to just jump right in and and go with it by the time i got to like the last page i was like oh no that's it dang it <laughs> oh, no, i know i was a bit disappointed it made me more eager to jump into volume three i think so yeah. um Anyway, Jasmine's gonna summarize. She's she's like the queen of summary. Oh, I don't really uh, know how I got that title, but I'm gonna what? roll with it. All right. I made it. I made it up. I made I made up a lot of names for you, Jasmine, and uh, that's. I know. You know, <laughs> not, none of them have really worked out, but I'll, I'll roll with the queen of summaries. Okay. Yeah, not, so none none of them you've allowed me to use either. No. <laughs> with good reason. Your, I, I, your nicknaming skills are terrible, sir. I, I was once messaging her, Robbie, before we get into this, just with all different nicknames for her to use online. And in the end, she goes, right, that's it, I quit. Like, <laughs> so, like, yeah, she didn't like any of mine. No, they so. were terrible. They were all terrible. All right, so volume two is a obviously a continuation of the first volume. In the first volume, we kind of got introduced to the first of the Evil Exes from the League of Evil Exes. Uh, this volume, we get introduced to the second Evil X, who happens to be Lucas Lee. Uh, we also get a little bit more um, sort of in, in insight into Ramona and Scott's relationship. 
uh, we still have Knives Chow, who is, uh, she's going through some things in volume two, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, basically, the the band is, you know, try, trying to get themselves out there. They want to do more stuff. It's a lot more following Scott and Ramona around as a couple versus, you know, them getting to know each other outside of them being an item. So it's it's just a much easier kind of volume, I think, to follow the way that the story flows. It's it's really just about the two of them and the kind of weird shenanigans that end up happening. Uh, so it's it's I don't know, it's 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 easier, I guess, than the first one, because we've already done all the introductions. We already know all of the people. We do meet a new band. Well, we are introduced to the concept of a new band. We haven't actually met this band just yet, but uh don't worry they will have their own volume it seems <laughs> um before we get into anything actually how did you all read it jasmine why did you read it digitally because it is included in comiXology unlimited so as long as you are paying for a comiXology subscription you can read scott pilgrim all actually when we did this the first time you could only read volume one and now all six volumes are included in the unlimited uh version of comiXology so convenient yeah, very. Yeah. <laughs> Comicology should sponsor us for the amount of uh, I, I know time for the amount of money that. that I give them. Uh, yes. Well, and also you mentioned them a lot on the podcast, <laughs> so it may as well they should give us some money. How do you read it, Robbie? If we're gonna ah. do this legit. We might as well do it legit. Come on, Comicology, yeah. help us out here. <laughs> They'll take a kickback. Uh, yeah. I read these are uh, hardcovers. The uh, you know the colorized hardcovers. Oh. Yeah, I got Nathan Fairburn or Th- Fairburn did the uh, coloring on it. <clears throat> Same I read there. it that way and. Uh, the last time I read it, I tried to read the big omnibus where there's like like two of these books in one. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I don't know, the paperback just didn't quite work. I really like the experience of this like small hardcover, this like nice paper. It's it's a nice printing of it. And it's got a bunch of extra features and stuff. So it was a really cool, pleasurable way to, to re-experience this. I think so. I, I remember. So I had the original black and white ones and um i never read all six of them but i did read the first couple in black and white and i definitely prefer the color i've got to be honest i love the coloring throughout this book so actually it's kind of a nice little segue actually into what did you think about the art robbie i i think the art's actually a lot better than than the first one um the coloring on the colorized versions is amazing and Mm -hmm. and that's really cool but the, the artwork itself okay so i think that brian is able to kind of increase his level of you know he's already done the first book right so now as he's approaching the page he's thinking about more like storytelling tricks he's thinking more about his composition he's thinking more about architecture uh he's actually taking photos of places in his neighborhood that he's using and really great renditions of it to set a little bit more of that local atmosphere and in a certain tone about it as well right so I think that it's constructed through the artwork much more than the first issue. Now, this is something I think we see throughout the course of this entire series is seeing uh, Leo Malley's whole like artwork just kind of come together and evolve. And that's one of the cool things about this. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like you were talking about how the books get thicker as they go. And it's, I was thinking that's kind of like Harry Potter. You know, it starts like really small and then gets mm-hmm. bigger. Dark Tower does the same thing. That last book's like a thousand pages. It's killing me. It's just, just, <laughs> it's just taking so long. But uh, you're able to see him evolve like you did the students in that book, right? In those mm-hmm. movies, you get to see his artwork evolve. And if you look at his stuff that he's doing now, which he's mostly doing, I guess, 
the writing and whatnot, but his artwork has, has stepped up and you can start seeing that happen between volumes one and two. Like I said, it's the composition, it's certain storytelling tricks, a little bit more effortlessness, it mm -hmm. seems with texturizing some of the backgrounds. And I just thought it was super, super solid. Yeah, I no, thought I the characters were a little bit more emotive too. Like I, yeah, I, I thought I was, I thought I was just making that up though. But like, now that you you say that, I do think that the characters, the way that he draws their faces, there's a bit more emotion in the faces of the characters this time around. Especially knives. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Cause yeah. knives is just like, <laughs> there's some moments where you're like, Oh man, you yeah. just, you literally stop it. Like, jolt you as a reader yeah. and it, it like takes control of it of the pace from you you know mm. and it's something that's fantastic actually i've got that this up actually because i thought it was this double spread here like that's actually knives there uh, i know people listening can't see this but the double page <laughs> spread of knives versus um ramona but i love this double page spread i mean even ramona's face is pretty like yeah uh, you know i'm gonna get you <laughs> that whole um, bit reminds me of some uh like electra versus daredevil stuff you know like yeah. knives yeah. is totally electra like just showing up <laughs> with those knives like, those knives, yeah yeah man she's got the scarf on like it's it's a really cool because it gets action-packed and like the book is so quirky but the artwork is still very cartoony right mm -hmm. he's a cartoonist mm -hmm. and that's what he's doing but he's starting to like evolve in the tricks of the trade mm -hmm. you know he's starting to take understand more about how to tell this story visually it yeah, does feel more comic-y this time uh, if, oh, if that's yeah. if that's a word it, it is yeah, now. Yeah. it feels comic-y again so yeah i think it does well to blend the realism like you say to, he's taking photos of where he lives in entwined with the gaming aspect that he's brought in like um when he defeats Ramona's uh, evil ex-boyfriend and the, the sort of magic box pops up a bit like a Mario type thing. And uh, it made me think of like Mario Kart. And, um, you know, when you're driving along and the things pop up and you have to get the boxes to, is it Mario Kart? You know, like those go-karting yeah. type things. Yeah. So it made me think of that. Like, and um, I just, I, I love all that stuff. Like, and it, and it, when they use the, uh, the artistic lettering, like item pops up, it mm -hmm. kind of it had that whole sort of sixties um, Batman pal type vibe about it. Um, so I sort of loved how they intertwined that kind of art into it. But, um, you know, you talked about Knives' emotions though. I love that whole scene artistically where you, it's almost like, her evil transformation so <laughs> like like i was just thinking of things like i don't know like the joker or something where she's where she's tur turning into a villain but the whole whole scene was really just quite a powerful scene and on the look on her face i think it was done really well just mm -hmm. her, her variety of emotions so um but well i told you in the summary she was going through it she yeah, was, yeah, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. having some issues in this volume yeah she she I was, feel bad so. for her in this oh, story, yeah. man. Like, oh, really she gets bad. mistreated so bad. Like, they yeah. do her uh -huh. so dirty. And then at the end, there's this bit at the end when she finds out that the lead singer of the other band is mm -hmm. Scott's ex-girlfriend. And then she, and like, that's her new favorite band, like, that yes. she owns. And then she has another look, and you're like, she's <laughs> about to have a just complete breakdown, man. I feel bad yeah. for her. Yeah, she can't, <laughs> she can't get away. Yeah, because Scott's a D-bag. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's terrible, man. <laughs> um. What do you think about the coloring in this book? Maybe one of you. That's just but the same. I think it's it's very vibrant. It's fun. It's it's nice to be able to because I think Ramona's hair color is like 
such a big thing. Like it's nice to be able to see it change as we go through each volume. So I, oh, I, I love the colors. I don't have any, I mean, I, I think they're great. I definitely prefer the colored version over the black and white. I know we've talked about previously some books, so black and white, like mouse and Viva Vendetta, but I actually think this book because of its gaming and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it suits having colors in. What do you think, Robbie? Yeah, it definitely suits the having the color there because like you said, it's got the video game aspect. It's got this like vibrant, flashy tone that does come across with the energy of the story in the black and white, the original like little, and they're smaller too, but having a larger size, these colors are really great. Like yeah. the, the color choices, the palettes, the way it shifts, the way it changes, they actually add a little bit more depth. You see some of the the shading that the, that's provided by that color is Nathan Fairbairn. And he's, he, he's the guy that does a lot of the Sean Phillips stuff uh, over the years. So he knows color theory. He understands how to make it work. And he can even take something like with the very simplistic line work of Scott Pilgrim and make it like have a richness about it that it doesn't have, I think on the black and white, but yeah, it is cool in the black and white to see like the line work on its own. So that's, it's cool that we have it in both, versions basically mm-hmm. i agree with you i i loved how they went from sort of the dark elements like you know i loved it actually it was towards the end where they introduced that new band and it all went sort of really dark before <laughs> they came on um i i sort of i love i loved how he went from that it's sort of you know here we go it's this really sort of dark page yeah. in here and then the next page like it's just complete i mean look at i mean what an amazing talent to be able to flip between that darkness to this bright splash pages. And yeah, I think, I think Nathan Fairburn has done a really fantastic job taking what was already established, you mm-hmm. know, in the black and white books. So, but really yeah. making it pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It does a really good job of making it pop. I, I definitely, when I saw these colored versions, I was like, I'm getting these hands down. I thought <laughs> they looked really good. So um, <clears throat> when the book starts, so let's get into the story. Um <coughs> The first, I don't know, 10, 20 pages are a flashback uh, of pre-volume one. Mm-hmm. And we get to meet some sort of brand new characters like Lisa. And we get to see a little bit more about Scott before he, he moves. And um, just sort of wondered what you guys think of, of seeing that sort of flashback and seeing that aspect of, of Scott's life. What about, what about you, Rory? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I mean, this is something that we get this is why you do a series of books like this, right? You give us one meaty chunk of the story and you tease us into learning more. They even Mm -hmm. do that in the first volume. Scott's like, like uh, Ramona asked him about his ex or something. Like, why'd y'all break up? He's like, well, that's a story for later. Maybe volume two. He's like, why'd you break up (laughs) with your ex? She goes, well, that's another story. He goes, hmm, maybe volume three. (laughs) Kind of tongue in cheek approach to it. But like, I mean, that's what they're doing. This is just story structure where now we have to learn a little bit more about Scott, why Scott is, where he is, that starts picking up on what I think is one of the overall themes, especially the earliest volumes of Scott Pilgrim, which is, and, and I think O'Malley says it himself, is how our high school experience influences our early 20s and how that influences who we become. Mm-hmm. Like, we like to always write it off, like, very early on, and this is something you see in the story, we write it off very early on, like, oh, that was forever ago, we don't remember it. Scott tells Ramona in this book, Oh, I don't even remember my high school girlfriends. Lies. Yeah. Lies. One of <laughs> them's your yeah. drummer. One of yeah. them's your drummer, you know? And so yeah. you're getting into the hows and the whys of why, how Scott becomes like this. You would learn a little bit more about his relationship with his parents. He's kind of got this 
he's kind of got this uh, bratty kind of vibe about him, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't take responsibility for things. Um, and so seeing some of how this develops, especially the way that he has relationships with women, you see it <laughs> in its earliest stages and it starts making a bit more sense and sometimes scarily familiar. <laughs> I, I was going to say that point you said there about the things in our earlier life affect how we are now. I think there's like our, our, our intro, well, the pop, like obviously pop culture, we've talked about that before that came into our, our lives earlier, but I, I was more thinking about this recently with music, like, you know, how a lot of music has, re- well, a lot of, I think music can link to your, a part of the life that you're in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really struggle to get into modern music. Like it's something I really struggle with. Like I've really struggled to find a band or any anyone new because a lot of that stuff's when I was going out. Like you know, when I was going out, being young, and those that music was associated with more when I was, I guess, a rebellious, annoying person. Like, <laughs> and, um, and I I really struggle with now because the music or anything new is going to be listened to most likely in most cases in this house with your kids with, <laughs> yeah, with my kids or when I'm driving yeah. uh, or whatever. And it's kind of like, I, I don't know. It, they're not, I do enjoy driving and obviously I enjoy living in this house, but it's more like that music you associate with your friends and having a good time or, and sometimes those, that music, uh, links to different emotions that you might be having as a as a youth so i can see you know like what you were saying there i just wanted to link that i think that was um something i've actually been thinking about a lot myself really so yeah um music is uh, a big part of the book and their experience yeah. with it you know and so that's totally spot on man and i also have trouble getting into new music trust me but you know sometimes you just got to jump in and trust spotify and <laughs> <laughs> trust uh, the algorithm my problem sure. is i'll listen to something to be like oh yeah that's really good and then never think about diving in like i don't do that anymore diving yeah. into somebody's I mean, oh my god same right? yeah, yeah like i i can listen along with the radio and like i know most of the songs now on the radio but like do i remember the artist when i'm not listening to it no probably yeah. not like uh, meanwhile could, back could in I the pick day charlie pooth out of a lineup with sean mendez <laughs> no i have no idea what they look like but i just know their name you know what i mean and like back in the day we're going to like cd shops and buying uh, yeah, up those concerts pieces. waiting in line exactly. yeah no well, i'm definitely, not doing none of that anymore <laughs> well, i think that, that actually is something in this book as well like they show things like the video shop and stuff like that so you know when he goes mm-hmm. there and he <clears throat> when he can't get any videos out um because of his late fees and um <laughs> I, I laughed at that because I can only tell half of this story. Um, like, so, <laughs> uh, so basically like my friends used to use my video account <laughs> like, like, and I, and something similar happened where I went into my video shop and I went in there to get video and they were like, no man, you've got two videos out. I was like, I haven't got two videos out. I've been away for two weeks. Like, <laughs> and, and they were like, and so then I, I thought, oh, I know exactly where those two videos are. Like, so, uh, so a phone call was made and they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, man. Like, I'll bring them down now. But they're, they're, there was more to this story, but I won't um, elaborate any further. <laughs> but I could completely relate to that scene. Um, so mm-hmm. I think these books are, are great for me. They um, remind me, obviously, of my youth. But equally, I think there's a lot to be said for things like video shops and CD shops and record shops. And people don't, those are sort of hangout places as well where you can mm-hmm. yeah. pick up pick up new things. And I guess the only thing that really has stayed is 
the comic shop, luckily. So, um, and long may that continue. Yeah. How crazy is it that when this book came out, it was very like fresh. It was very mm. hip. Like this was yeah. what like youth culture felt like. I mean, I, we were youth where I yeah. was at least, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not speaking for y'all, but uh, you know, so like, it's so weird to watch it now. It's like archaic. They're like, yeah. if you read, like kids read today, it's like, well, they're going to a video store. They, like, yeah. what, what are they doing? Like what late fee? I don't understand this concept. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I also actually, love that it's land before time and it's like been away for forever and like they lost it. And Scott claimed that like, what was it? Like a mouse hit it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little comedic touch down there. Uh, oh, I, I, I did think, um, what was it? You know, um, completely got sidetracked now but you know the um uh the, the game oh sorry i want to talk about the games and the villains so the, like the progression of the villains um and something was occurring to me you know every time you every time you're like i was thinking like streets of rage every time you're fighting uh you know at the end of the, every sort of two or three levels you have to fight a harder boss do you remember streets of rage like, and um and with this with this book obviously the you know we meet another villain what do you think about the growth of the villains in terms of their hardness? Do you think they're, do you think the villain progressed in terms of the hardness? I, I personally didn't. I think it was a bit of an easy defeat. Oh man. Um, yeah. I thought the Lucas lead, like that was such, it was so anticlimactic. I was like, I know. Oh, it, that that's it. That yeah. all that big talk, we sit around, you smoke a cigarette and then you just die. <laughs> like, I was quite, I was disappointed by that fight. I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't disappointed by the book as a whole, but I was yeah. disappointed by that confrontation because they yeah. are building up these evil ex partners. And um, unfortunately that one didn't really work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's almost like something that he's doing structurally with the story where he's saying, that's not the important bit. Like mm -hmm. don't, don't think that this is about him fighting or defeating uh, the exes. Think mm -hmm. of it as this is a story about him and Ramona and Knives and everybody else because the big ultimate climax is the reveal of the, the new band, which does lead us to the third ex-boyfriend. So it's a nice cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when you're reading it, you can't help but feel disappointed because you're like built yeah. up like, yeah. oh, he's an actor. Like it's going to be a big thing. And he just does the skateboard and he just disappears. And the, <laughs> it's so weird. And I love when he gets the item and he can't use it. He's like, oh man, I never yeah. learned how to skateboard. I never opted for that. And so like, it just goes away. And that's a fun, fun little bit. But you're right. That, that villain, it, it was like a little bit built up. But then, I don't know, man. It's weird to, to, to read this one structurally because of the way, you know, a lot of the other ones are. But it's, mm -hmm. it's a very chaotic thing. But it's, it's more because it's about the actual, like, I guess, human story that's going on in the midst of all this craziness. Mm -hmm. But uh, even in the movie, in the movie, that scene, I think, is done a little bit better. Oh, yeah, because they actually well, I mean, they had Chris Evans to work with in that one, but they also had like the clones or the stunt doubles that uh, give a little bit more to the fight sequence in the film for for this villain. Yeah. I, I yeah, I didn't really enjoy the I, I liked the bit where they sat down and was like, oh, let's have a cigarette and let's have a chat first. I thought, oh, that's quite cool. Like, you know, because initially the fight, he swings Scott through like a clock tower or something mm -hmm. and he sits down for a bit of a chat. And I thought, OK, that's cool. We'll get to know the guy a little it's bit. Like, hey, man, I got some carrots and some yeah. crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a Ritz crackers. Like, it's, <laughs> like, that sounds really good. OK. <laughs> 
Um, Although I do love that the first interaction between them is just like Scott getting his teeth punched in. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey man, can I have your autograph? But he can't even get it all out before he gets punched in the face. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Especially after hearing how Scott's such a great fighter. And you're yeah. like, what? How? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I, I, think you're wonder- I think you're wondering how Scott is such a in speech marks good fire because he doesn't come across like he's good at much in all honesty so yes. yeah. to, hear, like, to hear that he's a good fighter i'm like really yeah. okay you sure like, yeah where did that come from so um, <laughs> <laughs> um actually so talking about characters obviously we've got getting a little bit more insight into some of the characters and some of the characters do evolve some of the characters kind of stay the same um just sort of wonder what your thoughts on well, obviously to all of us, but the character journey of these characters and who's gotten the most growth so far. Go on, Robbie, what do you think? Knives. Knives has the most growth so far. Oh, um, yeah. We, we first meet her in the first volume and she's a very impressionable young woman in high school. And now she's like found a scene and, a, and an identity and a, like a like she just found a world that she wants to be a part of. And then mm-hmm. she goes through the ringer, like Jasmine mm-hmm. said at the beginning. She she goes through a lot of stuff, and that's the most growth. Aside from that, what we're learning is more about the other characters, and I really like that. The growth of the relationship between Scott and Ramona is actually quite charming, right? Mm-hmm. But there's tons of times, and I love this, because this is like an old-school like indie-type trick where – Scott's an unreliable, he's not a narrator really, but he's, he's unreliable. He's an unreliable hero, right? He's not necessarily a good guy. He's not really likable, but there's something, at least for me that I see of myself in him. And so it's like, dude, just calm down. Things can work out. You just got to calm down. Like the way he just spazzes out and freaks out about the most random thing when he's like having an intimate moment or something like that. Like, it's just like, calm down, kid. Like, you, you could get there. You just got to calm down. So I like the growth of that relationship, but knives is the character to me that, that, and then that's why she's on the cover of the book in book mm-hmm. two is in the yeah, original definitely. one. It's Ramona, but now it's her because mm. this is a yeah, woman no, I scorned. Actually, I actually yes. love that cover of her. But I, I do agree. I think knives had the most um, probably fun in a way in this book uh, in terms of her character journey. She, like you said, in the first one, she was kind of the naive girl, impressionable, sweet, holding hands and then falling and actually she uses the love word in this book and actually that was done really well how she did that artistically <laughs> when the way love just came out of her mouth like can only do that in comics like so um and then to get rejected and burned i yeah so when you said earlier about scott being a d-bag there was so much of this book i was like scott's so selfish it's yeah like, like he, he you know for meant to be in speech once again the hero of the book and it's a questionable hero like you know uh, it's difficult to say he's the hero but he i guess he is the the main point but i was thinking back to i think he's 23 isn't he so yeah i was like like, 23 what was i like i was (laughs) i I was probably a dick too like so well but that's the thing um, like it's really different than the first volume because in the first volume he's kind of like a lovable idiot uh but in this one it's not that he's malicious it's just like wow you're a real prick like yeah yeah and what? it's not even an intentional like malevolent thing right mm-hmm. it's like it's just that he does he just ignores responsibility yeah. like oh, any yeah. form of responsibility or ownership of of a situation he just he like he he hides his head in the sand and he just ignores it and it goes away and then he just he's skating through his life mm-hmm. on the grace of his friends 
and yeah. family basically. And he's not very appreciative of it. Right. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know why we're supposed to like this guy, but yeah. You know, right. Like that's, point, that's what I found myself is, asking. The point is maybe we're not supposed to, you know, no. maybe, maybe I think, I think, point. I think cause obviously, um, Brian Lee O'Malley has put a lot of himself into Scott Pilgrim and, people grow up don't they so i'm you know thinking you hope they do anyway well okay not everybody (laughs) not everybody grows up i'll put you know we all know we all know that guy is 40 years old he still acts like he's 20 like you know but there's always one of them (laughs) so but most people i think do tend to try and grow up to a degree and um but this guy between 20 and 25 it did get me thinking, like, I would love to know, you know, I'd love it if Brian Lee O'Malley was to do a Scott Pilgrim in his 40s, like, to find out what this guy's actually up to. Like, did he <laughs> actually grow up in the end? Um, obviously, I've not read up to volume six, so I don't know if there's what the growth is like throughout the six volumes. But I, I am curious to see Scott's progression as a character. I didn't feel that he progressed too much between volume one and two. Yeah. Um, the relationship between him and Ramona grew and i liked actually that ramona i don't like i don't think it's necessary for couples to write lists about their partners which i think is a little bit harsh as we've seen in friends and um (laughs) but i i did think ramona's list kind of highlighted a lot of scott's problems so mainly around the apartment but they are extensions of scott so she was trying to draw attention to that and i hope and i hope maybe scott might pay some slight attention i mean he did point out that there are lights because she said that there were no lights and he said, no, no, they're lights. And so then she said, no, no natural, natural light. light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Scott thought that took that as a win. Oh yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. He got one, one strike through. That's a win for him. <laughs> uh, that whole scene did make me think of friends though. the Ross. Uh, right 18 the... pages front and back. No, no, not that. Not that. Oh, not, not that, that one. No, not that bit. The one where Ross is um, writes a list about whether to be with Rachel or not. Yeah, and uh, and he's like, one, one of the negatives that she was a waitress or something like that. Like, anyway, I digress. But yeah, so that list reminded me of of that particular thing. Um, but again, another sort of pop culture type um, thing in these books. I think these books are very much pop culture of their time. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no. Overall, I think knives knives's growth was the most for me. Um, the relationship between Ramona and Scott, I think, was 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 nice to see as well. That progression was good. What about you, though, Jasmine? Uh, same like knives. I thought that it was super interesting and in how she, she called in reinforcements immediately. And she was like, no, I need you. Like, I need a shoulder to cry on. I need you to get over here. Like be here in 20 minutes. And then she just like dives right in. She's like, no, screw it. I'm dying my hair. Like we're going to, we're going to fix this and I'm going to make him regret it because like, isn't that what every teenager thinks? Like you broke up with me. I want to make you regret that decision. And it's like, uh, best thing you can do is just move on. <laughs> Don't try to make anybody regret it. I think she had the best line of the whole book, chow down like that. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That that was the best line. I was like, that was so good. I was like, did he think this through? Like, did he actually plan that? Like when he created nice chow. I was like, I hope he did. I hope he thought. (laughs) (laughs) When when she's having that fight with Ramona and she shouts out chow down, I was like, that was good. I, I I need to save that somewhere. <laughs> Mark was really digging the puns. Oh, yeah, that, I that like a good, good pun too, man. Yeah, that was a yeah. good pun. Like, and I like the fact that her name is Knives and she uses knives. I mean, yep. there's, oh, there's it's all around, man. Yeah, there's there's so, book. so much thought put into that name. So, <laughs> um, 
anyway, there's some running gags throughout the book. So uh, do you have a favorite gag, Robbie, throughout the book? A favorite gag? Yeah. Um, well, I love the coin gag. Yeah, which I, mm-hmm. I, I really like, and and I oh, like that. Yeah. This time he got fourteen bucks, yeah. and last time he complained that it wasn't enough for bus fare or something, <laughs> yeah. and then this time he complains that it's more, it's but all it's coins. all change. Yeah, it's all coins. <laughs> so I just like the random video game stuff, right? Like, yeah. and yeah. the idea, like, uh, like she's like, so are we an item? And he's like in his head, he's got the mushroom, the fire flower, and yeah. the, the star from Mario and just things like that. So I like those kind of like little cartoony, fun little bits there. What about you, Justin? Oh, man. Uh, I love the running theme of him telling Kim to just read the book because Kim keeps asking <laughs> questions that were answered in volume one. And he's like, just read the book. Like, yeah. just read the book. Like, like and, a full fall break in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite. And like there was a a scene early on where him and Wallace are on a bus and Wallace gets off is getting off the bus and he's like, oh, by the way, I got somebody coming over. So you got to go somewhere else tonight. And Scott's <laughs> like, but this is our stop. And as Wallace has gotten off the bus, like each frame, the bus gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But you I can understand. still see those speech bubbles. And yes. Scott is just like bitching after Wallace for leaving him on the bus like that. Yeah, talking about his mother and stuff. Yes. It's really yeah. funny. I was really having to squint. I couldn't make out the yeah. last last speech bubble. I could, just couldn't do it. I don't, I don't think my eyes are good enough anymore. So uh, someone might be able to read it. I might, might get my seven-year-old to read it for me. <laughs> so, like, It'll wind up being something your seven-year-old should not read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, what does this C word mean? I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Close the book. So... Like, uh so yeah bless them anyway no running gag for me i love like all the jokes about scott and um uh, and his, uh, what's his name stephen styles living together like just the constant jokes about whether they're a couple or whatever or you know oh, with wallace just, uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah wallace. wallace sorry wallace sorry yeah wallace yeah um about, about them all living together and how did that was on like, ramona's you? list she clearly yeah. took issue with him sharing a bed with a gay man. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, she even got asked, how did, how, even got asked during the book, how did you end up living together? He's like, oh, that's, yeah, and changes the subject. Oh, that's another yeah. story or whatever. Like, it doesn't want to, I, I want to know. I want to know how do, how do you end up sharing a bed with your mate? Like, and just that, and that, that's an ongoing thing, whether you're straight or not. Like, I, I don't want to do that long term. No. Or at all, really. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think once or twice in my life have I had to share a bit of a male. Yeah, when and, you were like 21 and you went to Vegas yeah. and you had seven people in one hotel room. Yes, that that's <laughs> one thing. But like, no, not as like your regular everyday life. No, no. And it's just like a mattress on the floor. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> the one chair there and they have to like, yeah, like Wallace has to do the bit where he's like, don't come home tonight. And then there's another <laughs> night where Wallace doesn't come home. Mm-hmm. because Ramona's there and like man that's weird can you imagine Robbie <laughs> if you and Jelani shared an apartment and you just had a double bed and it's just two of you every night nope no no way <laughs> no way no way no and, way uh, and one of you doesn't work at all <laughs> couldn't do it couldn't handle it no, and, oh, and, no. and wore your socks right oh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, no I couldn't do any of that oh no I would be in jail for murder <laughs> there, there would be oh man like, are you wearing, is that my, are you, okay, no, we, well, we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about this. So, um, anyway, so there's a new band in town. Uh, what's it? Clash Demonhead, which is um, 
one of the members happens to be Scott's ex, and there's another is also Ramona's ex. Uh, do you think there's any underlying sort of message or themes uh, sort of relating to this band at all? Well, go on, Robbie. You love messages. Well, well I mean, it's the whole as as far as a personification of Scott not acknowledging his issues and addressing his issues and then moving forward from his issues is his ex-girlfriend, right? Yeah. And his ex-girlfriend being the front runner of this band. Plus it's a band that's offering his band some like possibility at success. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show you that that's not important to him, right? He doesn't really care about it. And I love how the bandmates get all kind of freaked out. And like the one Kimberly shows up in like heels and then yeah. the one dude gets a haircut. And I also love, that's a great bit too, where they always call that guy by his first and last name. There yeah, are people Stevenson. in my life that we do like that. Like, that's just the way it is, man. <laughs> and so that's, that's really, really fun. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, it's representing the ultimate bit in the beginning of this, this story of, it's the personification of Scott not acknowledging the things that are holding him back right? His, mm-hmm. his avoidance of responsibility. He's just even willfully unaware, it seems, of that it's a problem not to have a couch when you have a lady over and you're having <laughs> yeah. dinner, to not have a table, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like this is a co- this foreign concept to him, right? Yeah, but and- his comeback though was, yeah, but you don't have a couch either. And she was like, yeah, but I don't have a TV either. <laughs> yeah, <that was> true. <laughs> like, why do I need a couch if I don't have a TV? I'm always rollerblading, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Working for Amazon.ca in the very yeah. early days where I remember it was just like books and CDs and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, the next obstacle, which is that on, you know, the inner level. And then on the outer level, the next ex-boyfriend's <clears throat> there, too. And then the band represents a level that this band, Sex Bomb, has to overcome as well. So I think that was rather really, really cool how it wasn't the second ex-boyfriend that's the big deal. It's, it's his ex. His mm-hmm. ex is the big deal here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she I even gets a cover in volume three it does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree with you though there's a lot of people don't like to deal with their issues it's like the whole well you said actually at the beginning of the episode like scott buries his head in the sand so and i think he buries his head in the sand a lot but the ex-girlfriend is the biggest thing he buries his head in the sand with he doesn't seem to want to reconcile his feelings or deal with them and was it? I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday. You can't move. You can't have a relationship with someone of any kind unless you're happy with your own life. And he hasn't bothered to deal with his own life. Mm-hmm. And he kind of wants to get Ramona and have to, his priority. It's a stupid priority, really. His priority is to have a relationship with someone else, regardless of all the problems and crap in his life. Yeah. You know, the no job, living in it on his mate's double bed, whatever. You know. And not dealing with how he feels about, you know, essentially getting dumped by his ex-girlfriend. Those are all things that you need to address and be happy with. Yeah, I said there's someone else. You need to be happy with your own life, have your own things in your own life, have your own hobbies, almost be self-sufficient. So when that person mm-hmm. comes along, you know, they're an addition, not, not, they don't make your life. That's kind of like for me, yeah, like what I take from this. So Yeah. And Ramona recognizes it too. Like there's one yeah. point where she calls him lame. She's like, you're lame, but like, I'm okay with it. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's clear where the dynamic is here. And I can see that you are just kind of a loser, but you know, I'm willing to overlook that. And yeah. it seems like he's just like, okay with being there. 
like no ambition, us, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then leads us into the, the question of what, who is Ramona and what has happened to her that has led her to be someone who is willing to settle for someone like Scott. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, what, what, I guess are these ex, uh, ex-boyfriends, like, were they just so horrible to her that actually Scott's such a nice guy? So It did uh, seem that way, though. Well, I mean, the way that they, they she explains each of the boyfriends in the, in the movie, like, as the fights come up, and it's all basically, like, I dated that guy in seventh grade for, like, three days. I dated that guy in ninth grade for, like, a week and a half. It's, it's all very trivial stuff. But then they have a different story. Remember, like she's like, oh, this was nothing, and blah. And then the mm-hmm. no, she she started dating. She went some other. What what's the word they keep using? Like some kind of young and poshy kind of guy, or so like jockey, or I don't know. They she always has to go for like this other kind of guy or something. The pretty the pretty boys, yeah, yeah, the pretty boys. And so like you know, she's there is a mystery there with mm-hmm. her as well that's going to develop. So yeah, yeah, I look forward to seeing how it evolves. Like I mean, so you've read all six of you? Oh yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> I was there. Black and white, tiny little books. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember I did buy the first couple and then just life got in the way and I never carried on going. Hence why this book club exists to go back and catch up. So <laughs> I haven't read them since way back in the day, though. This is yeah. almost this is almost like it's like 15 to 20 years old now. Like, yeah, it's crazy to think about it. So this is the been the first times I've been revisiting them. So I'm really excited yeah. to read book three next year. <laughs> how did you how, how did <laughs> so no, it did get me thinking maybe we should speed it up a little bit like but maybe this should just be the christmas christmas thing we just come I like back it. every year like, all of a sudden when, people start talking about scott pilgrim as a christmas book and people are like where did that come from oh you know where it came from oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big started. how did you actually hear about um scott pilgrim how did you find out that were you working in comic shops at the time or did you yes yes i i've been working in and out of comic shops for over 20 years now and so that's crazy to think about so yeah i mean i've always just been plugged into the industry i've always paid attention to it so yeah like when it came out we knew it was oni was still a big deal like in these days like oni was amazing that was where greg rucka really kind of got his start on books like white out and queen and country um oni press did a lot of really good stuff jed winnick uh, the adventures of barry ween boy genius uh, Guy Davis had a book there, Dar- uh, Dan Barrington with uh, the Nocturnals. Oni had some really great, really great like indie type stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s. Kevin Smith was over there with Jim Mafu doing Clerks books. Um, so I was always paying attention to that company in particular. They were kind of like the way we talk about Vault and Boom and mm-hmm. Aftershock now. That's mm. Oni was that back in those days. Do you, do you remember what people's reactions were to this book then about that? A lot of people, for instance, people in the like the local music scene, like the garage rock and punk scene, they really responded well to this. And I did, too, because this mirrored our lives, mm-hmm. like hanging out at record shops, hanging out at the video store, um, having these like little crappy retail jobs, but like being able to hang out, going out to shows, drinking, getting into no good type things, a <laughs> bunch of different personalities, a <laughs> um, bunch of different types of people in, in different circles and running into people from high school they, they do that a lot in this book too where they're like just like talking to two other former classmates and that's something that would happen mm-hmm. in your early 20s if you stay yeah. in your local spot as you just keep running into the same people and then eventually it's less and less and less and less mm-hmm. um so i mean people in that like in in the youth scene back then like those my age we really dug it we thought it was cool it wasn't something that sold gangbusters but it was like 
people that really liked to dig into things like Mike Mignola or Mike Allred and, and like really old school fans of things like Frank Miller and stuff like that, like people that like <clears throat> the independent stuff, they were aware of it. And a lot of people in the, in, in the youth scene or that liked video games were yeah. really into it. And it was, uh, some people have cited to me that it was a bridge for them into manga because of the way it was formatted. So that's fair. I think with the original formats, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it was, they were very intended much to like do that. He was trying to like kind of mimic that because, you know, we were talking a lot about manga now, but even back then it was making it's making a lot of waves. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, <clears throat> did you hear about this earlier on or did you just hear about it, Jasmine, from us saying this to read it? How did you uh, hear about it? First heard about it with the film. Okay. Um, I, I used to um, get a bus to work um, before I learned to drive. And um, I used to have a little iPod. And um, do you remember iPods? <laughs> so well, of course to, we do. Maybe not everybody uh, listening does. <laughs> so I used to download. I used to download a few podcast episodes of different podcasts that I liked, and I used to keep them on my iPod. And I used to listen to. I don't know if you've heard of them, the iFanboys. Do, do you know? Oh Robbie, yeah, iFanboy. Yeah. So I, I used to listen to uh, the iFanboy podcast quite regularly, and I remember. I think it was Ron who was on there. Yeah, it was Ron getting really excited about scott pilgrim and i remember him describing how it was like a normal story love story between two characters and out of nowhere it turned into a video game sort of type of fight and i was like what is this book like and i went went tracked down the first you know sort of black and white book but that's yeah how i i came, came across it i didn't have any local comic shops so i had to um I lived out also out of London, had to drive I had to try, uh, get the train into London to pick up my comics regularly so uh, there was no hanging around with mates at the comic shop to sort of find out new stuff so although the guy there i used to chat to whenever i used to to go in once a month and pick my stuff up so it's difficult you wouldn't hear that conversation that you hear when you're in a store regularly like different people's recommendations so that's why i used to love things like ifanboy just because i could hear three because they at the time the three of them lived in new york a bit like where you guys probably all live in the same town and when you do your podcast get to chat together so yeah um so that that was like my way of hearing it It was like three other people chatting and having a laugh so (laughs) um, maybe we will inspire someone to go out and pick up these books as well maybe we will pay it forward by that by doing the same thing they're constant sellers at my shop (laughs) constant sellers people are still remember people remember the movie people Mm -hmm. are always looking for this are always wanting to upgrade to the colored hardcovers and yeah they're this book they always sell so there's still there's still an audience out there. If you yeah. haven't checked it out, <laughs> you want to know what it was like back at the last days of the CD shops and the video rental stores. Oh man, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I, I used to that. work I at a secondhand those. bookstore and we sold like CDs and records and old software that people had returned. Like, yes. oh man, I used to spend so much money from my own paycheck, like at the store where I worked, where it was just like, this is a Backstreet Boys CD for a dollar. Yes, I will take that. <laughs> yep. I feel like I missed out. I never worked in retail. I, I worked in hospitality and catering, like literally 16 years old, got a job in a hotel. And I worked in hotels until I was like 21. And um, it was great. I loved it. Like, there's nothing you better. You did not miss anything not yeah. working retail, brother. <laughs> Although no, I will no, say I... that job is still, to this day, one of the best jobs I ever had. I absolutely loved it. It just... It's, I guess it's like the equivalent of my comic shop. I've always loved reading and just being able to work in a place where I loved like all of the stuff, not all of it, but like, you know, most of the stuff that we had, it was like, kid couldn't have a better dream than that. Like 
it, it was awesome at, at like first job ever at 16. And I was make at the time, like it'd be chump change now, but at the time I was making above minimum wage at 16. Nice. I thought I was hot shit. <laughs> so final Scott Pilgrim, uh, well, the book question, uh, the book ends with um, them all going to a band. Obviously, as we know, it's got Scott's ex in it, Ramona's ex in it, and it leads into Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness in Volume 3. Like, and as we joked many a time, we'll be back next December for that. <laughs> um, but what is your favourite... Well, so these books are set in the 90s or mid-90s. What is your favourite sort of rock or type of punk Ooh. band of that era? Oh, just one? Oh, man. Oh, I don't know. Give me a couple. Go on, shout it out. Two, three, four. Go on, you can have a couple. I'm not. There's no. There's no infinite number or anything like that. Favorite mid '90s. There are so many. So so many. <laughs> like, I I was into like the alt rock stuff. So like, I really liked like Matchbox Twenty and Third Eye Blind, Eight Stop Seven, Everclear, Live. All of those, all of those bands were my jam. I also was a big teeny bopper, so I did love Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. But like band bands, like oh man, yeah. So Matchbox Twenty Third Eye Blind, like in that realm of bands, was was where my jam was. What about you, Robbie? Uh, Oasis, Blur, Smashing Pumpkins, Bush, uh, Alice in Chains. Uh, yeah. Those ones, those ones at that time from that era for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely meet you on Oasis. I didn't, I didn't get into Oasis until it was nineteen ninety seven. Uh, the third album I picked up, Be Here Now. I remember I picked that up. It was in, it came out in August. I remember going. Um, not this means anything to you guys. I went into a big record short, a store called HMV, uh, and I even remember getting a little certificate that said I bought it on the day of release. So, nice. um, but yeah, it's things like Nirvana, Green Day. Uh, trying to think, I liked a little bit of Blur, a little bit of the Chili's. I don't. I'm not. I wasn't a big fan of everything that Chili's put out, but um, Food Fighters as well. So I love. You need the Red Hot stuff. Chili Peppers, Mark. Yeah. The chilies? Is that what y'all call them over there? The oh, chilies? Sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that is that not a thing? Like, you guys no, doing? that is not oh. a thing. The chilies. Red hot chili peppers. You know, chilies. <laughs> chilies for sure. I get <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah no that was uh i'm sure that was something we said no we must have done we all said the chilies i'm pretty sure we did you're making me think about it now no. uh, i mean we might have called... that's like what the hell man yeah we yeah, might have yeah. said chili peppers instead of the whole name but like i don't think we've ever called them the chilies yeah maybe that's just <laughs> maybe that's just me no i'm pretty sure me and my friends said the chilies <laughs> anyway i i may ask them now afterwards did we call them that they'd be like no mark we didn't so <laughs> they're like you're just making shit up now aren't you? <laughs> so, um anyway any final thoughts on the book at all from any of you uh, i mean it's we? worth it it's a great human story it's a it's it's about finding yourself it's about there's a it's it's a really great story that i think would appeal to a lot of young people regardless mm -hmm. of what decade we're currently in mm -hmm. uh, i think it's got a timeless quality to that i think it's fun it's experimental it's quirky um it's not going to be to everybody's taste like if you just want something super serious or if you don't want something that's like cheesy like some people may read it and call it 
like, you know, cheesy or cringe or whatever, but I think it's, it's totally timeless. I think it works. Artwork's great. And I think it just keeps getting better. Y'all. hundred percent. What about you, Jasmine? Uh, I think it is fun. Like it's, it's a fun read. If you don't take anything too seriously, like, you know, it seems like Scott gets progressively like more of an asshole as the books progress. But like, (laughs) if you put that aside, like, the dialogue is hilarious and I still like I think I said this when we had our first episode on volume one like the way that they talk to each other like their friend the friends talk to each other like it's the way that me and my friends still talk to each other so mm-hmm. it's 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 like Robbie said it's like timeless it's relatable because you can even if that wasn't how you went to high school or that wasn't your high school experience there's still so many things in this book that I feel like capture the essence of young adulthood that there's a lot of relatable stuff in the books, even if you don't enjoy the characters as much. 100%. Well, thanks for going through that review of us again, Robbie. Um, and just before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to let people know what are your plans, any plans at all for the rest of the year or early 2022? Well, in 2022, PCP Movie Night over at Pop Culture Philosophers moves to Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. So now Movie Monday returns as well as still keeping the live format for PCP Movie Nights just on a different night because, uh, you know, things are getting more closer to normal and uh, Friday nights are Friday nights and we don't want to take up too much of your time. But most, most Monday nights, we all know what's going on. So you can hang out and talk about movies with us. And also December 23rd, Festivus. Join us for our fourth annual, I believe, Festivus stream over at PCP. I'm very excited for that. We're going to air our grievances, show feats of strength, and then uh, and just have a good old time. <laughs> Festivus for the rest of us. I love it. <laughs> you know it. So, so did, did you, um, when you did the um, movie, the Monday night, I remember now the movie night used to be on Monday. Is that so you can start going back out again on Fridays and things like that? Things like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe just like, just not do anything. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Just finish work and just put a pizza, have a pizza and have a beer. You mean? Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Go, you know, go out and do things, things like you know, have yeah, more, yeah. more, more social things, things stuff. Yeah, like that. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, obviously, the book club itself was kind of the idea of it was to cover essential type graphic novels uh, we were wondering if there's anything that you've discovered throughout 2021 since we last spoke if if there's anything you want to add to our list that's essential yeah sure uh you mean like there's like something from this year or something just f- like from whatever yeah, yeah no well, I, me- I meant more like old that you discovered okay. this year I- since we last spoke on the book club well, I had rediscovered something recently, the work of Daniel Klaus. And so I've been diving back into some of that stuff. And uh, I hadn't read this stuff in, in years. And so he, he did Eight Ball. He's the guy who did Ghost World. So a lot of people are familiar with his work on the, on the movie because he was the screenwriter, right? Okay. It was based on his comic book work. He's got a lot of great comic book works that I've been diving back, diving back into. Um, a lot of it are uh, short stories that came from Eight Ball that get put together in graphic novels. So there's Ghost World. There's Like a Velvet Glove, Cast in Iron. There's Pousset, though mm-hmm. a caricature. Those are really amazing comics that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And one of my goals in 2022 is to dive back into my early days in the indie comics and bring out some stuff that I don't hear too many people talking about. And it's funny, I actually have one of them in front of me. 
But like, oh, wow. I would love to see some coverage on Daniel Klaus. Uh, like, I think Ghost World would be one of the most accessible and recognizable ones to get into. Graphic mm-hmm. novel, fantastic, really good stuff. We'll add those to our list. We'll let you know if we ever <laughs> do them, like, or when we do. Not whenever we we will do them. We Ghost World is definitely something I want to read. I I have heard of Ghost World, um, but never read it. So it's something I'm curious to read. So. Our book club will return next year. We haven't decided what we're doing in January yet. We will let you know. We'll post it on social media. Um, but yeah, just stay tuned, really. Um, you can also follow Geeks and Niche everywhere. Geeks and Niche is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And where can they find you, Robbie? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Join the PCP Army, the official pop culture philosophers Facebook group. You can follow me on Twitter at The Rock and Robbie. But most importantly, pop culture philosophers on YouTube station (laughs) (laughs) and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast google podbean apple spotify we are everywhere so please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends Uh, and youtube give us the like the subscribe etc anyway see you next year have a good one good journey good journey (laughs) good journey